0: From the H-Bomb Boxing Studios in beautiful downtown Forest Hill, Maryland, this is Episode 7 of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. everyone and welcome in once again. My name is Marty H. I'm your host for this episode, episode 7 of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. As always, uh, we're glad to have you along. I hope you're enjoying this uh, half as much as I am because talking boxing is a great passion of mine. I'm a lifelong uh, fan and part of my mission is to highlight the sport in a way that not only entertains and informs you but also makes you more prone to getting into it on a deeper level. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, I invite you to reach out to us by visiting our website, which is hbombboxing.com. That's hbombboxing.com. And while you're there, you can contact us in the Contact Us section of the website. Uh, go to the top of, I don't even know what it's called. But you go to the top left of the website, and you click on those three lines right there, and you'll see the the Contact Us. Section. Also, all of our social media links are on there Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can reach out to me by any of those methods as well. And uh, let us know what's on your mind. Let us know if you're enjoying the show and maybe give us some feedback on how you think we can improve or what direction you'd like to see us take going forward. And also, while you're on the website, don't forget to check out our merch shop, which you'll find. Uh, which is where you'll find all the officially licensed H-Bomb boxing merchandise and we've just added some new products over the last few weeks so that's something to consider and thanks to everyone who has already purchased from us and supported the program because it certainly helps to defer the operating costs and boosts our ability to keep the program alive and while I'm feeling grateful let me uh, let me thank our startup team once again for helping me get this thing off the ground, Sophia, Tina, And Scotty continue to be valued resources for me as I navigate my way through this. But I have to say the guy doing the heavy lifting right now is our chief technical advisor, Chris Wagner. Uh, Chris Chris takes this rambling diatribe that I engage in and, and he turns it into something that looks and sounds like a professional podcast. And I don't think he realizes how much I appreciate it. So big shout out to Chris. If we ever reach a point where we can monetize this show, I I will start paying him what he deserves, but right now I'm I'm paying him in merch, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. He's he's got all the cool streetwear and products with the iconic H-Bomb Boxing logo, so I'm sure that boosts his appeal and his public image and all that good stuff. And by the way, if you have purchased H-Bomb Boxing merchandise, please tag us on Facebook and send us a picture or two. Tastefully done, of course, this is a family show but get those pictures to us and, and we'll post them and we'll run that up the flagpole and, and see who salutes. And uh, like I said, all my social media links are on the website, which once again is hbombboxing.com. Also, uh Also, I, I did want to thank our guests from last week. Uh, we had a special guest, Gary digital Williams. He checked in for episode six of the H bomb boxing report. And, Gary's a true gentleman, and he's a great resource. And uh, if there's anything, he he knows all boxing, but if there's specifically if there's anything going on in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, I mean, Gary's on top of it. So I really appreciate it. Gary Digital Williams coming in here with us for Episode 6, and uh, I hope to have him back sometime uh, over the summer for a future episode. So looking forward to to getting back together with Gary on the H-Bomb Boxing Report. Now, on to the boxing. This is a boxing show, right? So, so, you know, one of the great things about boxing that I love is the fact that unlike most other sports, boxing has no off season. So, you might get a dead weekend here or there, but by and large, there's action every week and even when there's not, there's news or, or talk or speculation or Soap opera style drama that holds my interest until the actual action inside the ring resumes. And getting to know the major players in the sport and finding out more about their backstories and and the personalities. that's That's part of what I enjoy about being a fan. And with all the social media and internet search engines and apps, with all the ancillary highlights and documentaries and interviews, it's easier than ever to follow the careers of the fighters and, and make a determination of who you like or who you don't like who you want to follow or support or etc so I've said this before but I'll continue to make this case regardless of <laughs> regardless of the nostalgia that you may feel for for yesteryear there's no better time than right now when it comes to access to the sport sport of boxing and yeah I ran into an old friend from from the old neighborhood. We grew up in Northeast Baltimore and it's old friend of mine. So I ran into him where actually I met up with this guy Barry Andrews and we talked a little bit about boxing, you know, among other things. It wasn't entirely a boxing conversation, but we talked a little bit about boxing and he said and and I've heard this one before. He said he misses the old days of the wide world of sports and fights that used to come on the terrestrial or free TV. And he mentioned guys like Livingstone Bramble and how he was a big fan. And he was a big fan of Bramble. And he really misses the type of fights we saw back in that era. And I and I agree. And I agree because the fights back then were great. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and no one is more nostalgic than I am. But today in terms of access is better. Way better. Back then we used to, well we usually, we only got the main event. No undercard. There was often commercials in between rounds. There was no internet to look up highlights or or check out previous bouts. There was no DVR. Well, there there actually was a thing called a VCR for all you kids out there. <laughs> there was a thing called a VCR where you had this box hooked up to your television and you had to buy these big clunky cassettes uh, and you would stick the you would stick them into the VCR box and record. It wasn't too bad. But invariably, something would go wrong, and you would do something like uh, I don't know, like you you do something like record over something else, like your grandmother's ninety-fifth birthday party, or your baby's first steps, or an old episode of Barney Miller that you missed last week, and now you'll never get the chance to see it, and you feel left out when everyone at work's talking about it. But I digress. So, but talking about the wide world of sports uh, type shows. There was no... Well, what we call today... There was no shoulder programming... Like there is today... So... Uh, shoulder programming is like... Coverage of press conferences... Or weigh-ins and workouts... And things like that... If something happened behind the scenes... Leading up to a fight... There was no way of finding out... Or almost no way... Of finding out... Uh, what was going on... So, you know... Your, lo- your local sports guy... Might... I say... Might... Have something to report on it... But usually... He wouldn't give it more than twenty or thirty seconds, and if that, and it would just get buried in all the minutiae of the other sports news of the day. What was better, for the most part, not always, but what was better back then was the, the best fighters were more active, and they were they would seek out, uh, seek out you know the best wanted to fight the best, and they would seek out the biggest challenges to secure their legacies, and. Now, today, some of that mindset still exists, but today, uh, you, you constantly hear the boxing is a business. First and foremost, boxing is a business. That's what usually dictates whether or not big events that you know the the fights that we really crave as fans those those events are dictated a lot of times by business, and business determines whether or not we get to see these these matchups and that and the fact that a lot of promoters managers and, and sometimes the fighters themselves they want to protect their unbeaten records uh, which keeps us again from seeing the fights we want to see and as human nature would have it um, go, you know you can only hang in there for so long before you tired of you, you get tired of waiting or you simply lose interest and you move on it, it's like relationships and, and romance it's you're, you're only going to hang around so long in a relationship without getting what you want before you tire of waiting or see you potential value in, in something or, or someone else. You know, she's only going to wait so long, fellas, for you to leave your wife or finalize that divorce before she moves on. And By the way, I don't advocate that anyone act on any of my relationship advice. It's just there for entertainment purposes only, let's say. So, you know, if... Please seek out a professional like a counselor or a bartender or somebody to help you salvage your relationship before doing anything that may cause uh, you or someone else harm. And so there's my disclaimer for that one. But speaking about these fights from back in the day, you know, sometimes they weren't even live, you know, sometimes they were just sort of molded in to fit the format of a two hour or a three hour program that consisted of non-boxing events and they could get away with it because you had no, you had no means of knowing what was going on so unlike today i think people when they look back they you know they're attached to the things they have a fondness for but they don't remember quite as clearly when it comes to what they didn't like or or what held them back so It kind of reminds me, I was thinking earlier today, it kind of reminds me of of like that girl you used to be in love with that you pined for and you remember all those good times together back in high school or your college years. And then one night you're in Dino's sub shop playing a game of Space Invaders or Miss Pac-Man and here she comes walking in to pick up a pizza and uh, she recognizes you because you still look great, wink, wink. But she looks like 10 miles of rough road. She's got summer teeth, because some are there, and some ain't. And you think about acting like you didn't see her and maybe slipping out the back way, but then you realize that Dino's doesn't have a back exit, so you have no choice but to talk to her. And then you realize you don't remember how annoying her voice was. And then she mocks the way you dress. Yeah, yeah. did you forget how much you hated that? But it gets worse. Then she pretends... She pretends <laughs> She proceeds to tell you she's got four kids with three different fathers and none of whom are still in town. One's in prison. One's living in a commune and the other the other one hasn't been heard from since he moved to Alaska to work on a fishing boat. But you always remember the good times. You want to hit your wagon up to that again? I don't think so. And, and I know that's a bit strong as metaphors go but I, I think you get my point. And, and as far as boxing goes, Keep your beautiful memories of times gone by, but look to the future and give today a chance. You know, live in the now. You know, like uh, Garth told Wayne, he said, "Live in the now." And uh, I'm I'm here to help. So keep in mind that, that just like my relationship advice, my relationship metaphors are for entertainment purposes only. So, and that's my rant. So, hopefully, I got that got that behind me. But right now, I'd like to talk about what just happened and what's about to happen in boxing and it's a little segment i like to call what just happened and what's about to happen so much has happened in the world of boxing since i was last sat behind this microphone not only have big fights occurred but events that shaped the future uh, they've unfolded in in true fashion of how the sport usually works they've taken twists and turns proving once again that boxing is the theater of the unexpected First let's go back to the 8th of May and that's when we saw Canelo Alvarez defend his WBA, WBC, WBO super middleweight titles versus the uh, IBF champion, or no, actually not the IBF champion, but Canelo brought two of the belts in, Billy Joe Saunders had had one of the others, so this was for three belts on the line here super at super middleweight, and of course we saw 73,126 fans crammed into Cowboy Stadium in Dallas, uh, Irving, Texas, which which is an indoor record uh, in, in the United States for, for boxing, which topped the 63,350 that we saw way back in 1978 for the rematch between Muhammad Ali and Leon Spinks. That was at the Superdome in New Orleans. Uh the fight with Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders was stopped between the eighth and ninth rounds because uh in the eighth round of a fight that Alvarez was winning, by the way. You know, I've heard a lot of people say Saunders was was doing well. And, you know, he was doing okay, but he was behind and, and all three cards would indicate that he was behind on all three cards. And Canelo seemed to be uh just getting into his comfort zone. He was cruising right along. And Saunders ducked just as Canelo was throwing an uppercut. And the the punch landed squarely, squarely into the face of uh, Saunders and broke the orbital bone. And uh, in between the 8th and ninth rounds, uh, Saunders never got off his stool basically. So uh, you you can say he quit, you can say the corner stopped, you can say whatever. But he never came out for the ninth round and Canelo walks out uh, with three world titles intact. Now that sets up one more match, presumably in September, between Canelo and the IBF super middleweight champion, Caleb Plant. And that's the last piece of the puzzle for Canelo to become undisputed. So I'm pretty sure that's that's gonna that's gonna go down in September sometime, probably uh, around the middle of September. Now, Eddie Reynoso, of course, he's the, the trainer for Canelo and he, he continues to do a great job with Canelo, but it's not just Canelo. You know, he's got, he's got former, uh, heavyweight world champion, Andy Ruiz. He's got, uh, heavyweight Frank Sanchez. He goes by the name, the Cuban flash. He's got 130 pound champ, Oscar Valdez coming off what could be the KO of the year against Miguel Bert He's also got, uh, uh, Ryan Garcia, who's lightweight. That's, it's an impressive stable that he's got. So, um, Reynoso is one of the top trainers, and you know Canelo is one of the top fighters. So, so they're like, they're like an unbeatable team right now. At least it would seem that way. I mean, no one's no one's unbeatable, but it it would seem that they're going to be tough to take. Now, reports uh, say that Caleb Plant wants 10 million to face Canelo in September, if that's when it happens. And you know, I actually think this is fair market value. Because you know, Callum Smith made I think about 12 million dollars, and so did Danny Jacobs, and You know, of course, fighters can only be paid according to how much money the fight will generate. And uh, there's various revenue streams. You know, like we discussed in episode five when uh, Rick Glazer checked in, you know, there's various revenue streams and that has to all be sorted out. But I don't think money uh, is going to hold up this fight. I think Canelo wants to be undisputed. He wants to enhance his legacy. And I I see money as a a secondary uh, secondary concern in terms of whether or not this fight is going to be made so moving on to may 15th uh, in carson california uh, there was a great three-fight card on showtime where we saw solid 130 pound prospect xavier martinez move his record to 17 and 0 with a unanimous decision over the veteran juan carlos burgos burgos is 34 i believe or somewhere around there but he gave a solid performance he pushed the 23 year old martinez very hard and even though the judges all scored this one 99-91, which is pretty wide. Uh, every round was competitive and there was action throughout, so I mean hats off to Martinez and Burgos for putting on a really good fight. Also, on the same card, we saw the uh, former super bantamweight champion Danny Roman move his record to 29-3-1 with a unanimous decision against Ricardo Espinosa in another action-filled bout. That wasn't very close on the scorecards, but provided solid entertainment. And it was a it was a close first half. It was a lot of back and forth, and uh, Ramon just dominated down the stretch. He won the last six rounds in the eyes of all three judges. But that was also a pretty good fight as well. And that led into the uh, main event, which uh, was the heartbreaker Brandon Figueroa from Westlake, Texas. He was the uh, I don't even want to get into this, but he was the WBA regular belt holder. <laughs> and uh, he won the WBC Super Bantamweight title with a 7th round knockout of Tijuana's Luis Neri. Uh, It was an uppercut to the solar plexus that did the damage. As Neri Neri was a slight favorite in this bout, but he was unable or unwilling to beat the count, and Figueroa goes to 22-0-1, and and Neri drops to 31-1. And that sets up a unification matchup uh, in September between... Figueroa and the WBO Bannerweight champion, Cool Boy Steph Stephen Stephen Fulton. He's nineteen and zero. He's got eight KOs. He's out of Philly, and that matchup looks solid. You know, Figueroa just—he was behind uh, on the cards in the fight to Neri. It was close, but he was—he was behind. Uh, he just kept coming. His punch rate is amazing. The guy can just throw punches and punches and punches. And his his cardio is amazing. I think uh, Fulton has to be the favorite in that fight, but not by much because Figueroa is going to be a tough out for anybody because you you got to be able to work every second of every round to beat that guy. He's he's something else when it comes to uh, punch output. So I'm looking forward to that fight. Then on uh, the 22nd of May, which is this past week, uh, we we saw a fight that was well, one that I was really looking forward to, and you know it didn't disappoint because uh, Scotland's Josh Taylor put his WBA, IBF, and Ring Magazine titles on the line against the WBC and WBO champion Jose Ramirez. He's from the Central Valley, California, and they put it all on the line, all the belts on the line for the ultimate supremacy in the 140-pound division, all the major belts. And Taylor got the nod 114-112 on all three cards to become the undisputed world champion. And the bout took place at the Virgin Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was not a full crowd because of the uh, uh, COVID uh, restrictions or whatever you want to call them. So it was not a, a full crowd, but uh, an exciting fight nonetheless. Uh, Taylor scored two knockdowns, one in the sixth and one in the seventh, which ended up being the difference in the scoring because each of the judges had it six rounds apiece, and so the two rounds with the knockdowns give the extra point to Taylor, and that was the difference in the fight. I had Taylor winning seven of the 12 rounds, seven to five, and if you factor in the knockdowns, that, that brought my score to 115-11, but of course my scores don't matter. What also doesn't matter is the CompuBox punch stats where uh, Taylor landed 145 punches in the fight to 134 for Ramirez. And uh, it, it, it's a fight that had a good pace and good action throughout. And what wasn't good, though, I'll tell you what wasn't good, was the performance of the referee, Kenny Bayless. It was an off night for sure, as he was universally criticized for for many things in the fight. He was quick to break the fighters when they wanted to work on the inside and he gave Ramirez an an abundance of time to get himself together after both knockdowns and he was indecisive about breaking the fighters in the seventh round right before the knockdown and I guess depending on how you look at it Ramirez was expecting a break uh Taylor threw the punch and you know the rest is history Ramirez struggled to get up he showed a lot of heart that was a that was a great effort from Ramirez and a great fight but uh I think Taylor definitely deserved the nod. He started cruising a little bit toward the end and gave up some of the later rounds, 10, 11, and 12 uh, on on two of the three scorecards. And, or Two of the three, he, he lost uh, all three of the rounds, and I believe, and one, he only won one. So what I'm saying is he had a lead built up, and I think he thought he was a little further ahead than he was, and that fight ended up being uh, somewhat close on the cards, 114, 112. So I'm not sure uh, what uh, Taylor's going to do in the future. I know episode six when uh, Gary Digital Williams was in here, I I asked the question, if Taylor wins, what's a more logical solution for Taylor to move up and challenge welterweight champ Terrence Crawford? Or is it more likely that the lightweight champion, Tiafimo Lopez, would move up to 140? And challenge Taylor for the 140 titles. Um and and now I'm I'm hearing those same questions. I think, you know, Taylor's indicated that he'd he'd love to fight Crawford and I'm not sure if he's gonna move up or he's gonna stick around or or whatever. Uh speaking of uh Tiafimo Lopez, by the way, uh only boxing can do this is it shoots itself in the foot when it comes to the uh the, the term undisputed. So nobody's disputing the fact that Josh Taylor is now the undisputed. He has he has all the all the titles there. But Tiafimo Lopez was the WBC champion. I'll, I'll, I, this is an illustration of how ridiculous this this gets. He was the WBC champion. The WBC created out of thin air a, a super champion designation and moved Tiafimo Lopez up to the super champion and then Gifted the WBC title to Devin Haney. I say gifted because he didn't earn it in the ring. They sent him an email and said, you're now the WBC champion. So even though Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko put all the belts on the line because Haney has this belt that Teofimo Lopez used to have, he's claiming a stake of the lightweight title and I guess what that means is it's hard to call someone undisputed when people are still arguing over whether or not somebody owns all the belts or not and that's that just goes to show you how uh, ridiculous all these these belts can be and we, we talked about that last week and or the week before the episode before I should say when the, the sanctioning bodies they want to create all these belts because Every time somebody fights for one of these belts, the sanctioning body siphons off a percentage of the purse and they make money. That's that's kind of how they make money or one of the ways, the main way. And uh, it just kind of makes a, a farce of the whole situation. It makes it difficult for people to follow. And I, I'm actually okay with four sanctioning bodies, four major sanctioning bodies, if each one of them only had one belt. Because... Fighters aren't as active as they were back in the old days. So, it would take forever for top 10 fighters to make their way up who've earned shots at the title to get title shots. So, I'm okay with four uh, major sanctioning bodies. I just wish each one of them only had one belt. And uh, it just, uh, this whole undisputed thing, it's great that Taylor is undisputed because people can look at him and they can say or if someone asks me who's the the, the champ at 140 I can say Josh Taylor and it's undisputed and that's that's what that's all about so as far as fights coming up uh let's see what we're looking at here we have some great fights coming up on the tw- oh here we go on the 29th I lost my, my page there on the 29th, which is uh, coming up this week at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, we've got uh, Devin Haney. Speaking of Devin Haney, we just talked about him. Uh, 25-0, 15 knockouts. He's 24 years old. He's a great young fighter. He's a champion of sorts, and we just talked about why he is a champ or if he is a champ. But uh, he has a WBC belt, and he's going to be taking on his toughest challenge when he takes on the veteran Jorge Lenares. He's 47-5. and Linares is? Uh, with twenty nine KOs but he's thirty six years old. or well, he'll be thirty six years old in August. And uh, this is uh, this is a big test for Haney because Lenaris is a great fighter, but uh, as as my friend Rick Glazer likes to say, Lenaris is on the back nine. So uh, let's see how well Haney can handle Lenaris and uh, that fight's gonna be on the zone on the 29th. Also on the 29th, on Showtime, we've got a good fight in the uh, Bantamweight division, 118 pounders. Uh, Nordin Obali, he's a French-Moroccan or he's he's from France, he's Moroccan descent, so I, I don't know if he's French-Moroccan or Moroccan Frenchman, but uh, he's 34 years old and uh, he's the WBC Bantamweight champ, he's 17-0, and he's got 12 knockouts and he's going to be taking on Nonito Donaire, the Filipino Flash, Nonito Donaire, who's forty and six with twenty six KOs, and he's had a great career. He's gone from flyweight all the way up to featherweight, and now he's back down to bantamweight. So he's gone one twelve. He worked his way up to one twenty six. Now he's back down to one eighteen, and uh, he's thirty eight years old. So then, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to do to go up and weight and then come back down. He's one of the good guys in boxing. He's one of the nicest guys out there, but uh, he's a great fighter. I think uh, when it's all said and done, you'll find Nonito Donaire in the Hall of Fame. Uh, as far as who wins this fight this uh, on the 29th this weekend, I really don't know. It's a it's a tough call. I think I have to favor Donaire uh, in that contest. Now, uh, coming up on June 5th, we have the return of Triple D, which is Daniel Dynamite Dubois. Uh, after his defeat at the hands of the juggernaut Joe Joyce, and that was a fight I was completely wrong about. I, I this young guy uh, Dubois, he's just he's he's big, strong. He's 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 a, he's looks great. He's been destroying everybody. He's been that's been put in front of him, but he has never stepped up to the level of a Joyce. And uh, Joyce, like I said, he proved me wrong. He had a great jab, a great game plan, uh, showed a lot of heart and. He kind of proved to me that there are levels to this and, and and Joyce was just a level above. And that was a good fight though. Uh, Triple D, this is this is his first fight since then. He he had a, a, an eye fracture as well from that fight. Uh, sort of like Billy Joe Saunders suffered at the hands of Canelo. So we'll be checking that fight out on June 5th. And also on June 6th, which is a Sunday, which is kind of strange, but June 6th, there's a former undefeated champion uh, who's now retired and he's taking on a YouTube sensation in the main event of a Showtime pay-per-view special exhibition. And I guess by now you can figure out, I haven't mentioned any names, but that's uh, Floyd Mayweather and uh, uh, Logan Paul, I couldn't, one of the Paul brothers. So, But there, uh, everybody knows my feelings on these type of fights. I don't really take them seriously, and I don't really put a lot of time into analyzing them or talking about them. But there are a few uh, legitimate fights on the card. Uh, John Pascal and Badu Jack are going to rematch for Pascal's. uh, He's got the regular WBA belt at light heavyweight, and it's a rematch of a really good fight, so I'm looking forward to that one. And also the return of Jared Hurd on that card. Uh, He's been out of action for close to two years now, I think. It's been a while since he's been in the ring. And then looking ahead, uh, June 19th, there's three cards. I'm not going to get too deep into it because we, we've got time to to break these down in a future episode. But uh, June 19th, there's three cards at the same on the same night. Uh, and we've got IBF and WBA Bantamweight champion uh, Naoya Inouye against uh, Michael Dasmarinus, And that's going to be on ESPN. And then on Showtime, Jamal Charlo defends his WBC middleweight belt against Juan Montiel. And then the Triller pay-per-view of a fighter we mentioned earlier, Tiafimo Lopez, puts his lightweight belts on the line uh, against uh, George Ferocious Cambosis. He's from Australia. And uh, that might be a pretty good fight. I, I, I personally think Lopez is going <laughs> to take him out. But uh, you never know. Uh Campos is not short of confidence and uh, he's a pretty good fighter so I just don't think he has enough pop to to keep Lopez off of him and you know Lopez is a devastating puncher and we've we've seen that he can also box as he demonstrated as he uh as he took on Vasily Lomachenko uh this past year so what is as we move on here let's see oh you know I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the uh, the big heavyweight fight that that never materialized that's uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury so f- they've been circling each other for the longest time and they were just on the precipice of signing this uh, this fight and it was going to be a huge fight maybe the the biggest fight in British boxing history and Uh, it was supposed to take place in Saudi Arabia each fighter was probably going to make around $75 million each and right at the last minute Deontay Wilder uh, comes in and wins his case his case in the courts uh, through binding arbitration to get a third fight with Tyson Fury and uh, Fury's camp and Bob Arum contend that the rematch clause had expired Uh, Wilder said it didn't, and the courts agreed with Wilder, which means now uh, Wilder will be taking on Fury, or Fury will be taking on Wilder, and that fight's scheduled for July 24th, I believe, July 24th, so that'll be coming up in a couple of months, and uh, the fight nobody asked for is on, so I, I certainly wouldn't look past Wilder, I mean, he's a devastating puncher. You know, you say what you, you want about his boxing ability, but, you know, if he catches you, he can put you out. And uh, Fury's been in there with him a couple times, so I, I think he understands that, especially since after the first match when uh, it looked like he was all but knocked out in the 12th round and uh, somehow rose from the dead and, uh, and, and got the draw, even though most people think Fury won the first one as well as the second one. The second one, there was no doubt about it. Uh, it was Fury all over Wilder and that's probably why a lot of people aren't interested in seeing it it's, it's like let's move on we want to see Fury and Anthony Joshua because that would have been speaking of unifications and unifications are so rare but Fury and Joshua would have been a, a unification and heavyweight that uh, would have led us to another undisputed champion so a lot of undisputeds going on here now I've had uh, or I've heard people say why don't why doesn't uh, Tyson Fury just offer Wilder step aside money to get out of the way so that he can move on with the fight with Joshua? And I think the the number discussed was like 20 million. like throwing money around like, yeah, just give Wilder 20 million and then he'll get out of the way. Well, two things happened on that. One, Wilder said he would not accept step aside money. and Tyson Fury and the promoter Bob Arum said we're not offering step aside money. So that fights on for the 24th of July between Wilder and fury and fury's plans are if he's victorious will be to try to negotiate again a fight with anthony joshua before the year's end and there's there's no telling in this business you you can't look too far ahead you know you can't even you can't even predict what's going to happen next week so i, I certainly don't want to get that far into the future especially when you're talking about the business side of things but if there's any silver lining in my opinion if there's any silver lining to the situation where the plug was pulled on Fury and Joshua, it's that if Fury wins against Wilder and the the fight with Joshua can take place either at the end of this year or maybe the beginning of next year, maybe the COVID restrictions will be rescinded and that fight can take place on British soil. Now, I don't know. It's just a thought. Uh, you know, the Saudis have a lot of money and they put up a lot of money in what's called a site fee so they're they're paying a lot of money to bring that fight to Saudi Arabia they have very deep pockets uh, so but but I don't know it without the restrictions maybe the fight plays out better uh in England because that's that's part of the part of the equation is a big part of the revenue stream is the live gate and when you can't put fans in the stands that's one revenue stream that gets cut off so if they can pull it off if fury is successful against wilder and they can get the fight signed and the restrictions are lifted who knows i mean this could be a 70 80 90 000 outdoor stadium type event and uh i'm looking forward to it one way or the other so yeah you know Wilder's got undeniable power, so I don't want to look past that. You know, when he's when he's in the ring, that's always the X factor. You know, if it just came down to a boxing match, you know, it's to me it's Fury all day long. But you just, you never know. You never, never know. Well, I want to thank everyone for taking part in episode seven with me, and let me remind all of you that in life, it's not where you are, it's not what you're doing. It's who you're with that matters. Spend more time with the people you love, watch more boxing, and we'll do it again next time on the H-Bomb Boxing. So long, everybody.